Hello everyone and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast, inter-race, intra-race podcast between the Russian Grand Prix last weekend and the Eiffel Grand Prix next weekend. So we'll be chatting a bit. Obviously the big news is the Honda withdrawing from F1 at the end of next season. So we'll be talking about that and a few other kind of talking points that have come up over the season and over the last week uh, that we have found interesting. So I'm here as usual with Freddie Coates. Freddie, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Adam. I'm doing very well. And I'm not with Nigel. I'm very pleased to welcome to the podcast Ellie Jane. Ellie Jane F1 from YouTube slash Drive, sorry, slash Twitter slash wherever. Ellie, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's better than the Nigel response, which is... He takes great offence at asking... How are you at the start of the podcast when we've been on a Zoom call with him for 10 minutes already? Um, Thanks the audience hear it. <laughs> um, so Ellie, do you want to plug yourself and your work a little bit? Um, yeah, so I am a writer for Drive Tribe and I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, you can follow me up on Twitter because on there, all my links are there. Uh, so I'm just at Ellie Jane F1 over on Twitter and you can find everything over there. And on that note, we have a Winging It Twitter, which is at Winging It F1. And I've got my own Twitter, which is at Adam Dickinson 01. And Freddie, what's your Twitter? Ooh. Mine's at Fred Coates 1999 for all of you fans of mine. And Nigel is at Nigel's not Nigel's here. <laughs> we left cut that bit out um, as I was having my week a bit that Honda are going to pull out of F1 as an engine supplier at the end of the 2021 season obviously they currently supply Red Bull and Alphatari and so both of them will be looking for new engine manufacturers they said that they wanted to focus more on carbon neutral engine technologies because their aim is to go um, carbon neutral by 2050 i think so what did you guys what were your first thoughts upon hearing this ellie i was like instantly i went i was like what like is this actually real like i you just don't think something like this is going to happen and then you're sat there like who the hell are red bull now going to get in because they just everybody hates them um they, it was just their own fault but then other people's faults like and you're sat there like i because I, I the i just got i saw the notification on my phone um like from the sky and I was just there like what and I, I could see that all, all my chats got like, really happening I was just a bit like why and I hadn't read, read everything at first but that was my first reaction like, how is this happening why and obviously now we're seeing what you just said about the whole they're probably aiming for the carbon neutral thing and things like that and I think Formula E could be very interesting now now they're leaving F1 mm-hmm. so it's definitely um a bit of a shock because it's now does a new engine supplier come into F1 or who do Red Bull go to? So there's a lot of questions surrounding it. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I mean, um, they haven't they haven't ruled out other motorsport endeavours. They said in their in their um, statement that how how racing is part of their DNA, motorsport is part of their DNA, and obviously they've got they've got a top flight IndyCar program that they mm. win as well. So that's all still going and going ahead, and new ventures will probably go ahead as. Ellie says Formula E is already pricking up its ears at a potential ninth manufacturer. I think this would be for for them, and I think it's really interesting 
to see how Honda have come to this decision because it's not I mean they, they've been very clear about the the carbon neutrality as you say and not about the power unit regulations or anything but we still only have three now from 2022 until 2026 when the new regs come in we only have three power unit manufacturers with Ferrari, Mercedes and Renault and they're the they're the stalwarts I mean Mercedes and Ferrari the only ones who've been there sort of consistently since um, the mid '90s for Mercedes, Renault left and came back and have you know been all over the place. So we haven't really got any stability in Formula One power unit manufacturers. And kind of looking, looking at uh, manufacturers that might be kind of coming into F1 with a bigger, you know, perhaps a team or kind of increasing their stake in F1. Honda were kind of the big one that seems seem the most likely out of anyone to come in. Obviously. Yuki Tsunoda's a Honda protege in F2, and we'll come to him in a little bit. But for this kind of state of F1, it's quite bleak picture, I think. Um, do you think they need to simplify the power unit rules? I think, well, I thought, I'm not like the most knowledgeable on the power unit things, but I thought, you know, with 2022 coming in, with that, that rule change, I thought, okay, we've got simpler things, it's cheaper. So you don't think, I never expected Honda to go, yeah, well, I'm, we're leaving, especially when you know these engines are going to cost less money than they are right now. And to hear that, you think this, this what they, Ross Braun has always said, we're going to be racing close together and we're going to have, you know, it's going to be cheaper. And then suddenly a team are like, no, we're not doing that. And it's like, because as you said, they've not really explained why they're not doing it other than the whole carbon neutral thing. It's like, is, is it that, is it actually a lot more money than we all know, really? And it brings in, as you said, like we all thought they were increasing their stake, maybe coming back into F1 properly. And now they've just gone and done a U-turn, basically. Yeah, they're, they're probably not really happy with the direction Formula One is going power unit wise, because the whole sort of liberty uh, modus operandi is it's entertainment now. We're not going to be we've got this. This is the final regulation set that's going to be attempting to to link to road relevance. and it really doesn't. I mean, these are the most complicated engines ever. And the road relevance is only partially there. I mean, it's starting to trickle down a little bit, but not on the MGUH, MGUK level that you've got in a Formula One power unit. So, I mean, Honda's struggles have been so well documented as well. Only really for two and a half seasons have they actually really done well in Formula One. And they've been there since, what, five years now? If it's in this segment. And I think for Honda, it's a bit, they're probably just not happy with the way it's going formula one i mean rebel maybe is always is leaving a lot to be desired every year as well they say yeah we're going to win next year oh we're going to win next year and it's just it just seems to be a brick wall for honda as well if you really really think about it i think personally i think i'm not surprised at all that they've taken this decision it seems like a very logical decision to leave formula one yeah, I think it, in a lot of ways, being involved in F1 is quite illogical for all parties. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, I think F1 does really need to think about the direction that it's going because it's the biggest motorsport championship in the world. Obviously, it's got tracks lining up and countries lining up to host Grand Prix. It's the pinnacle for 99% of drivers starting their racing career. But the team's teams and engine suppliers there's not kind of that 
interest there that there is kind of in all the other sectors. Um, Red Bull, as we mentioned, are stuck in a pretty sticky predicament. Um, where do they go from here? They it looks they've either got to find another um, engine supply from outside of F1, or they've got to go cap in hand to Renault, Ferrari, or Mercedes. <laughs> None of which I think will excite Christian Horner too much. What kind of where do you think they go from here? I think. I don't think they'll get a Mercedes engine. I will say that straight up yeah. me. They are not, never going to get a Mercedes engine. Toto Wolff will never, ever, no one who runs Mercedes will agree to give Red Bull a Mercedes engine because the engine is too strong from Mercedes. And then if Red Bull get their aero right, it's a winning package, realistically. I mean, I wouldn't think it'd be the winning package this year because Adrian Newey hasn't, I don't think they've got it right this year. But um, in other years, you could easily say they would have, they, if they had a Mercedes engine, they would have won. And um, so I think it's easy to say that they will not. I mean, who really wants a Ferrari engine right now <laughs> um, based on what's going on? So I think that's a, it, that would be a risk. I mean, I know everybody's risking everything going into 2022, which is when they'll need the new engine supplier. But like, it, they don't look good and we're kind of just holding out hope. Um, going back to Renault will be just great drive to survive content. Um, I just want to watch... Christian Horner begs Cyril Beatball to let him have engines again and you know it's quite funny because their relationship is a complete mess it was the, a very messy divorce and now they're like they might have to go back to them but I mean maybe they bring someone in I've, you know people are like oh they should bring like BMW and I think it's gonna be a real push to bring someone else in it would be great to see but I think it's gonna be very hard to attract somebody to F1 the only way they can feasibly attract a new manufacturer it really depends on Honda. And because Honda obviously have intellectual property of um, an engine up until the end of 2021. And perhaps um, someone like BMW or someone like Volkswagen perhaps could go and say, yes, well, I mean, not Volkswagen, they, they hate anything to do with combustion now, obviously. Um, but I don't know, a massive manufacturer can go and perhaps buy the intellectual property and the designs and the design process from Honda and then would have an up-to-spec engine. Because the issue with Honda was that they misunderestimated everyone else when they came in a year late um, in 2015 with the, with the new regulations. So I think the only way you could bring in another manufacturer is if Honda play ball and allow them to do well based on Honda's, Honda's work, essentially, which as a, as a PR perspective is a bit of a nightmare and obviously Honda is such a proud company that I don't really see that happening. I can only read only sort of thing I can see happening is, um, is Renault and Renault will have one engine supplier and that's themselves with McLaren going to Mercedes. So, and there's a regulation in place that the, the, um, the manufacturer with the least suppliers um, then has to supply if a team cannot get a contract. So even if Cyril Abitbull get on it gets on his high horse and says, "Haha, no, we won't give you, won't give you any uh, engines," he still will have to, and then it will look worse for him. So it just seems to be it's going to be an interesting PR nightmare for everyone in the next few months, next year perhaps. I mean, I would I would rather see Honda, you know, give their intellectual property to another another manufacturer just because I think that's cooler, but that's mm. probably unlikely. Uh, yeah, that would be would be very good, and maybe they can kind of cut, cut a deal there that would favour 
them in some way, either financially or otherwise. And I also agree about the draft to survive content. That would be absolutely brilliant <laughs> to see those, see those two going at it again. Um, a word on Sonoda, who kind of looked to be the, not nailed on, but he looked to be kind of in prime position to get a uh, Alpatari seat or kind of be the next junior to step up to F1, obviously a Honda protégé. Um, who knows, maybe he would be involved in some deal like Freddie mentioned, but who do we think he's been kind of really damaged by this? Is he still our favourite to get into, be the next Red Bull junior into F1, do you think? I'm going to go with a no now, because obviously he's technically a Honda junior more than a Red Bull junior, and with Jury Vips, who they were pushing to try and get super licence points for, you know, they tried to send him over to Japan, do Super Formula, but quarantine rules mean he, he can't compete. And now it's like they've got, if they scrap, there's this whole thing about them maybe scrapping points for this year just because of COVID. And maybe they pick Jory Vips over him. I don't know if, I don't know if either of them are very ready for F1. That's a whole other debate in itself. But um, I think now it's, it's put Jory Vips in a, in a better place and put Sonoda in a bit of a worse place because he's linked to Honda more than he is to Red Bull. I, I think, I think um, recently I've been more and more convinced that Albon is going back to Alpha Tauri and that um, you're going to have someone like Perez or Hulkenberg alongside Verstappen. So I think... Yeah, basically the Albon <laughs> basher. We would, I would have um, said, even without this Honda news, that I thought Sonoda would have been probably... A year later, anyway, um, depending on what happens at Rebel in 2021, I think they're going to ditch Kvyat again, and then they're going to get an outside prospect such as Perez, which is you know the prime example um, the, to put in that seat. I think, and I I I feel like that's more likely an option for Rebel anyway, even with because I don't know Sonoda's done really well in Formula Two. Um, I mean, he's not been rocket because, you know, he's not had a Leclerc year or a Russell year. And none of them have this year, which, I don't know, depending on how you view it. But I think it doesn't guarantee an automatic promotion, really, then. I think if he has another year, he would be a really brilliant prospect. Um, but I think this year, Red Bull will go external. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's kind of interesting, all of the things around that and obviously Sonoda would need to get a super licence to be in the conversation and we don't know how that's going to go. Um, just one last thing on this, how would you rate Honda's foray into one? If we say out of 10, where 10 is kind of Mercedes just coming in and absolutely dominating and zero is absolutely rubbish. I mean, they've, as, as you said, Freddie, they've not had too many good seasons. The McLaren years were awful and they have kind of come on a bit um, in the last few years, they have won races. I think five races and 15 podiums off the top of my head. And so, yeah, how out of 10, how would we kind of rate their entry? Is a five nice? I feel like that's like a... Because the, the amount of yeah. years they were bad with, with McLaren, yeah, okay, they, they weren't great. And then you get... They obviously switched to, um, to Red Bull and they've had what's he two good seasons now yeah sorry yeah. um oh, not not good seasons okay seasons. One and a half. Not winning. 
win- they're not winning a championship and they've only won one race this year. Oh no, two. Pierre Gasly has a Honda mm. engine, of course. Um, they've won, you know, two two races. Um, and I think they'll obviously have a very similar, it'll be very similar next year. But overall, when you consider since 2015, they've come in, it'll be like half and half, really, half bad, half good. So I think a five will be right down the middle to say they've had some bad times, but they've also had some okay times. I think I'd go pretty similar, maybe a four or five. Um, mm. Yeah, kind of middling. I'll go with four. Ready? Yeah, I was going to go around four. Maybe I, I, I did consider lower, just because, I don't know, that yeah. they, when they thought, you know, they sort of think 2015 is dire. That was appalling, obviously. 2016, they made a step up, which, you know, was expected, but it was still math. But then 2017, they absolutely floundered once more and were just awful in 2017. And I just think because of that year being absolutely atrocious, um, I'm going to go three and a half. Oh, well, we're all which is probably a good reason that they're leaving, to be honest. They're saving face. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I guess the, the question would be kind of if they stayed another three, four years, how much would that rank rise? But we'll never know yeah, because they're not. Um, <laughs> um, moving on from Red Bull to another team, I was going to say at the top, but they're not, are they? Ferrari. Um, and the team with a junior programme. Let's go with that. Yes. Is our link. Um, and the most intriguing junior programme at the moment, obviously Red Bull's been kind of at the top for a long time, but Ferrari have kind of got the strongest crop coming through at the moment. And it was announced that Mick Schumacher and Callum Eilert will test, do take FP1 at the Nürburgring, which is coming up next weekend. And Robert Schwartzman will get the chance at Abu Dhabi as well. Um, to me, it kind of feels a bit late with Schwartzman in Abu Dhabi, like they could well have made their decision then already. So I don't know whether that counts him out at all. Um, obviously, Mick's kind of had experience already of driving some Ferraris, but not um, obviously his father's cars more than uh, the current spec. Um, and there was also an FDA Fiorano test as well. Um, Freddie, where do you think things stand with the Ferrari Driver Academy looking to next year? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I mean, I've, I don't. I mean, obviously, Islet and, and Schumacher, obviously, you know, the 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 top two in the F two championship, which is why they're getting a Nurburgring outing with um, Haas for Islet and Alfa Romeo for Schumacher. And I think it's really going to be interesting to see what plays out because this is just. I think mean, they've both done fantastically. They both surpassed my expectations for this year in F two. Um, if you had said to me that. Schumacher was going to be leading the championship and Eilat would be in a fight for second with him. I would not have thought that. I thought, to be honest, actually, I thought Lungard and Schwarzman were going to walk this year. Um, and I've been slightly interested to see that they haven't. Um, so I've been really impressed with these guys. I think it's a, it's a conundrum for Ferrari. And I think they're going to probably go with what's happening in FP1. I think they'll go with Eilat at Haas and um, Schumacher at Alfa Romeo. Um, because that seems to be where it, all the rumors middle, where all the rumors are heading to. So I think that's probably the right idea. And both teams are, you know, not doing well at the moment. So they're both pretty much around each other, and they'll be able to be measured in an equal way, but also to have their own 
team to have their own kind of um, uh, team behind them so they can have that kind of confidence. And I think particularly for both of them, they've had to open up another seat with Haas to get one of them into Formula One, perhaps. So I think they've both got such backing from Ferrari that, and they've both done really well. It's, but I don't know, it could go completely differently. It all depends on Kimi Raikkonen, or depend, depends on Grosjean, Magnussen, because, I mean, Haas have said, oh yeah, we're talking to pretty much everyone in the world. I mean, who knows what's going to happen there? I reckon someone's going to get left by the wayside, but I don't know who it is. I don't want it to happen. I, I'm, I'm, I have to. Yeah. <laughs> I think I agree because I think when, so I've always, I thought Mick would have to do a third year in F1 and I'm, everyone knows I'm a Mick fan and I was convinced he would do a third year in F2, but um, then he completely just did what he did in F3 and is doing it again and like I'm, and he's doing a really good job. Same for Callum. I always said I'd written Callum completely out of F1 for a very long, because mm. he just, when I was watching him, I was just like, okay, um, you're probably not going to go to F1, but you're good um, until this year. And I'm like, okay, he probably should get an F1 seat. Um, I think, as I've always said, no harm could come out of a second year in F2 for Schwartzman, because like it always, you know, it's a competitive series. He'll know the tyres. He knows the cars at that point. There is no harm done in him racing for a second year in that series. And I think he could easily be fantastic next year because he's got a couple of things he needs to work on. I think his qualifying, he really needs to work on. Um, but I think because of how Ferrari have done this, I think that really kind of tells, like you said, where we'll see the drivers go. I think that's quite telling that we see Schwartzman come in so late. Yeah, and Ellie recently did an FDA video on her YouTube channel. Yes. I think that it was very good. Um, I yeah, I think Mick is nailed on for a seat now. He now he's leading the championship. It always yeah. Previously, it felt like he was he was the one that Ferrari wanted to get in the seat, but they couldn't if he wasn't up there in the championship um, because it'd just be farcical, or would they do it anyway? But now he is. It just seems like there's no excuse for them not to kind of to mm. themselves. Um, yeah, qualifying the, seems to be the big work on um, yeah. for him. That's for the best position for Mick to be in. He's put it in, he's forced the hand for Ferrari mm. that they have to, um, they have to, that it makes him the obvious decision and completely negates all of the, the, um, the name and all of that that, that yeah. follows him, of the pressure that follows him his entire career. That's all negated by the fact that he's, had the last few Sochi was his absolute best race in Formula Two, and he's mm. just getting better and better. And he's peaked at the exact right time. So good he's on doing, him. He's doing what he did in F3 again. You know, he's that thing where he went on that just trend and you know got got accused of cheating at one point because he won and he did because very well. Because he was well. racing Tictum. Yeah, he's, that's that's very good. Yeah, um, you know, and he he's doing that same kind of trend, and that's always what it's been throughout his career. Second season, he comes right at, right at the right point. Um, so I think, because I think I've seen that he was guaranteed a seat if he finished third. Uh, but if, obviously, I can't see him finishing outside the top two unless it all goes terribly wrong now. Um, I think he will finish within the top two um, very easily now. I don't know who's going to win it still. Yeah, the, the, no, gaps no. Are, the gaps are something like third place and like 40 points now, isn't it? Um, I think so. Yeah. It's quite big. I think also, crucially, he's he's got the in the big break between uh, Sochi and Bahrain, 
So it's like a two-month break or something massive between that. So I think for a lot of teams who will be looking, you know, there's not any chance for drivers to change their position. And two months is years in the driver market. It's absolutely ages. You know, we've seen just in a few weeks how it can kind of change around. So to kind of be locked in that position for two months, I think is a massive um, thing of him. Uh, Freddie, you mentioned Kimmy. Is he going to stay if uh, one of them does go to Alfa Romeo? Who do you think would uh, make way out of that team? Ah, uh, Giovinazzi would make way, wouldn't he? He should have been. I mean, we've seen Raikkonen against Vettel, and Giovinazzi should have been at that pace against Raikkonen. And the fact that Raikkonen is basically going so well, particularly now, actually, he's really stepped up his game for some reason. I thought he was not going to step up his game at all, but he seems to have. Being the consistent Group C, whatever it is, winner now. Um, Giovinazzi did have a good race in Sochi, but it's just, I don't know. It's it's so average, unfortunately, from, from both of them, that I think you'd rather keep Kimi Raikkonen than Giovinazzi. Just Kimi Raikkonen is such a technical driver when it comes to feedback as well. I mean, people, you know, he's got the perception of him being Kimi Raikkonen. But he, he knows what he's talking about and he's really good on the tyres. And he, he could do really he could do wonders to help a young driver coming in. This has been spoken about quite a lot. Kimi Raikkonen as a mentor to Mick Schumacher. When he got pole in Monza Raikkonen, Mick Schumacher presented him the little little tyre thing that they do um, for some reason. And he was, you know, he was really nice to him and everything. And they, they, it's, all, it's all PR, but like, I don't know. I can, I can see that working really nicely as a pairing. Yeah, I think... Kimi and Mick Schumacher, after obviously battle with Michael in the first part of his career, that'll be, yeah. I mean, very nice circularity to it. Um, Ellie, what do you think on Alfa Romeo? Who stays, who goes? I think it's got to be Giovinazzi. I agree. I think he's just not been, uh, he's just not been good enough. Like, you know, he, to say he competed very closely with Pierre Gasly in F2. It, it, it's sort of underwhelming how this guy has done and yeah. compared to Gasly as well because like Pierre's win, you know he's won a race he's I think he's become somewhat of a bit of a favorite because of his story but he's proving himself as a really good driver and um Giovinazzi's just been underwhelming and maybe below average like he just doesn't do anything you know whereas Kimi at times especially um in Mugello, the race that Kimi had to say he had a penalty was a very, very good race. And I was very impressed by him. And I think, um, I think you know, I was convinced he was going to retire. But I was convinced he was going to retire two years ago. Um, you know, I just don't think this man's ever going to retire. So I think he's going to stick it out for another another year in F1. I did have hope for, um, for um, that basically, I wanted <laughs> Seb not to go to... Um, uh, I didn't want him to go to Aston Martin. I wanted him to go to Alfa Romeo and partner Mick. That didn't happen. Um, yeah. So I think it will be Kimi there. I think that'll be a good mentorship as well, as you as you both said. Yeah, I agree. I thought Kimi was going to retire in 2015, and I did. I thought in 2016 the same, <laughs> and the same in 17 and so on. So I think if if I keep thinking he's going to retire, he'll he'll just you know he'll buck the trend and stay till um till I'm older than him. Or I don't know. That doesn't work. I don't know. He'll be here for <laughs> donkeys. Well, F1's kind of got the tradition of people staying in, you know, Bernie Eccleston kind of came in in the <laughs> 70s and then stayed in for... Um, yeah, he's <laughs> going to be 96 when he's bought yeah, out. So maybe, maybe Kimmy will do the same. Um, we 
asked this question between the three of us, and I can't remember what we said true to form on the podcast, but Ellie, if you were a Ferrari junior driver in F2, either Callum Miner or Mick, where would you rather go to Alpha or Haas next season? Ooh. I think I think they're both, you know, they're pretty much on the same par. And I think in a way, just because, you know, there's that, I know Haas have signed the Concord Agreement, but there's still quite, there still can be fear around them leaving. So I think I would rather be at Alfa Romeo um, than Haas. And again, with Haas, you still don't know who's going to be partnering anybody at Haas either. You, that could be, depending on who's your partner, it could be a very tricky relationship there. So I think I would say Alfa Romeo I'd rather go to. Yeah, it's it's interesting to look at, as you say, with the Haas driver situation. Perez is mm. another one kind of linked there. Um, if we just have a look ahead um, to the next few races, we've got four um, circuits that weren't slated for the original calendar um in a row and then we've <laughs> got Bahrain on the normal track then we've got the Saki Grand Prix on the really short DRSD track and then we've got Abu Dhabi um I was trying to avoid describing it as the oval track and kind of didn't really think what I'd use instead um, <laughs> which, um Ellie which of those are you kind of most looking forward to of the new University Grand Circuit um, I'm looking for. I'm definitely looking forward to the Nurburgring, but Imola as well. I think Imola is going to be a very, very interesting race. And this year, you know, I'm not putting any pressure on it, but Italy. Every place I've been in Italy this year is delivered. So <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a. I've kind of got hope for uh, Imola this year. But I think the Nurburgring will be really uh, great to go back to. Um, that'll be quite interesting to see what happens there. I think, but Imola definitely stands out. I'm because I haven't properly seen a race there, you know, live. Mm. So um. You know, so it would be very fun to get to watch that and watch these new cars on that track. You know, it's been when was the last time we were there? Like the two thousands, and I think only yeah. yeah, I think only Kimmy's raced on the track. So I think that'll be so, yeah. especially because there's no free practice as well. Uh, thank God, there's no free practice. <laughs> um, so I think we could be in for a really, really good race. Uh, so I'm excited for Imola, definitely. I think. Yeah, I I think some. Some junior series race there. I think Pierre Gasly, off the top of my head, might have some kind of yeah. Italian or Alps ones have. And um, Freddie, which is the one you're looking forward to most, and why is it Imola? Yeah, it's obviously <laughs> Imola, isn't it? I've been flying the flag for that for ever. Um, I just love the track so much. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just gonna get get excited. <laughs> just seeing cars at Imola. It's one of those. I know, every sort of first race of the season, I get all giddy like wow we're actually doing this this is actually happening formula one's actually a thing i've been dreaming about this for like <laughs> normally three months since abu dhabi um and I, I just i'm already anticipating that kind of butterflies feeling of formula one race at imola but i will you know i will um fly the flag for uh portugal portimao algarve whatever you want to call it um because i think that's going to be really interesting uh, brand brand new track to Formula One. Um, they did a test there once, and that's it. So that's also one that I think will be really interesting, particularly from a um, racing perspective, and also just because Portugal is a nice place. Yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna throw Portimao in there. I think when when we discussed it a while back, I think I thought Portimao was the most likely of all the circuits to get a permanent place on the calendar. But yeah, I think the 
just the first sector i think they're they're not using the chicane they're using the like fast long right hander but having seen Magello, where it wasn't kind of your traditional heavy braking zone hairpin at the first corner it was kind of a longer i thought it, was, it wasn't kind of the same angle it was a bit like stowing that there were lots of different lines that people yeah. took through it to overtake and yeah kind of having seen that i'm hoping that portimao can offer something similar in terms of that and it should be you know another, another brilliant blast through you know a track that is is very good to watch um i checked the um 14 day on. forecast for nurburgring and the only time when it wasn't raining was one o'clock on the sunday of the race <laughs> and I thought, well, that's just going to prove it, isn't it? It's going to be, there's going to be like black ice on the track, but there won't be any rain. I mean, that would be quite fun having like steady time <laughs> going down. <laughs> Might be quite lethal in the crash. But oh. um, and Antonio Felix da Costa is being reported as having a um, FP1 session at the at Portimao. Mm. I don't know. It was reported a few weeks ago, and I don't know kind of where it stands now. But Freddie, obviously, you know him probably best from Formula E. Do you kind of, what do you think he'll bring to that? Well, if it goes ahead, we, we saw a few, there was a report on the race and yeah, um, we know people who've heard a few sources about it. Um, but if it does happen, I think he will do admirably. He's, he was pushed aside only because of Verstappen and Sainz being excellent drivers. And we've, you know, we've seen that they're both still in Formula One. So Antonio Felix Acosta, if he was a year later, um, two years later would have been in the, the Pierre Gasly slot now probably and would have done really well in Formula 1 I think so I think whoever wherever he ends up I think he'll do fantastically if it, if it happens he could be one of the people speaking to Haas we don't know mm, there's a lot lot of things swirling around Haas at the moment obviously Perez Hülkenberg were both in around the conversation well Hülkenberg was around it last year and didn't um, didn't sign there but that could be an interesting one, do you think do you think Haas will retain one of their drivers? Do you think they'll retain both or kind of where do you think they'll go with it, Ellie? It's tricky. I actually it's probably one of the trickiest questions because there's a case of Magnus is not as bad as people think he is. He's actually quite a good driver, in my opinion. And I think he's somewhat underrated. People kind of just think, you know, I think people just think people both hash drivers just crash like all the time and they don't and um i think i think it'd be very interesting because um i i think it's time for roman to go i hate to say it i think he needs to step aside i think it is time for him to leave formula one i don't know he could do formula e i'm sure he'd have a good time over there yeah. i think he'd be great over there um but i think if they keep anyone i think it'd be magnificent but i think there's a very big chance they won't keep either yeah I think David Coulthard's the best one for that when Haas whenever there's a crash that just has a Haas like near it then he'll <laughs> then he'll make a little dig at them kind of wow. whether or not he looks at the you know whether footage has actually come up or not he'll you know oh, I was okay to wheel wheel to wheel with the Haas drive around there or something like that um but yeah I agree Grosjean's kind of I think his his time is up but it's kind of behind that obviously if Ilot gets one of the seats and then you've got Perez or who's probably 
on paper is probably the best driver and obviously brings the investment as well. Mm. Um, you've got Magnussen who's been there for a while and knows the team and is a very solid driver. He's not done so well this season, actually. He's dropped off a bit um, over the mid-season or kind of middle of the season so far. Um, and then Hulkenberg's kind of the wild card, which is there or thereabouts. I don't think he'd get the seat, to be honest, but he's kind of in there. Freddie, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I might fly the Grosjean flag for about 30 seconds and that he's actually put in some really solid performances for a below-par car this year. Um, obviously, the only one he's been outclassed on, I think, properly by Magnussen would be Hungary, which is when it mattered, unfortunately, for him, but um, for points. So I think that's a little bit of a kick in the teeth. But I think Grosjean recently actually has actually performed really, really quite well. Um, I think... Oh, Everyone's just a bit bored of Grosjean. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of the same. His Mugello radio kind of grated on me a little bit, that kind of thing. But obviously, you can understand it. Um, I kind of think... I do think Hulkenberg would be the best option, actually, for Haas. I think Hulkenberg and Eilat would be an incredibly good lineup, though. Mm. I think Grosjean did really light up the Sochi kind of practice sessions. Mm-hmm. He he just like came, he, it was brilliant. He came on the radio and was just like, I can't do anything with this guy. It's awful. The balance is all over the place. It's like Nicky Lauda yes. Rush, but like a times a million. <laughs> it was brilliant. And yeah. then kind of, I think at the end of FP2, then he like put in a decent time and, and the engineer was like, well done, Roman, you've done really well. <laughs> like just make him happy. <laughs> yeah, you just feel um, bad for his engineer, don't you? Just like the poor guy's got got to be Roman Grosjean's life coach as well, and he just... must moan a lot more than we hear as well. I reckon. I think he. I think we only hear like the real big like problem bits. So I imagine the engineer mm. just is like, no. He's like in cycling. Sometimes you see riders just rip out their earpiece when they're just sick of the team, kind of giving them instructions. Mm. I feel like Grosjean's engineer could be the could be the opposite. The same, but... <laughs> He, he might he might get um he might get some decent cooking some nice waffles or whatever um so I guess it it might even out for that I don't know I'd, I'd happily be Roman's engineer if you know the position's available <laughs> um but yeah I think that kind of wraps everything up unless kind of in terms of talking points unless either of you have anything you want to add preferably F one related but oh you know, oh then no. Okay. Oh, were you about to? <laughs> no, no. Um, okay, so we will go on to the quiz. It's Ellie's debut at the quiz. Oh, um, wow. Throwing her, in the, throwing her in the deep end, and it's a bit, it's a bit of a kind of random one. Um, <laughs> general, general points of the season so far. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think currently, are we all three all? I think we're three all. So Ellie's got to win three quizzes today. Um. <laughs> um, okay. Well, good luck. Good luck for that. Um, okay. Well, we will. The first question is. Oh, one sec. Do you know how to do it, Ellie? No. Yeah. How do you guys do it? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I you could have carried on and. <laughs> yeah, and I could well, just sat here like. You shout um, your name. Okay. So you just go, Ellie, if you know the answer. Right. I'll like shout my buzzer. name. I'll shout yeah. my name. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> 
kind of one if Freddie shouts his name and gets it wrong, it then kind of goes you. Okay. Mm. That's basically who who Adam hears first because he's he's leading it. Yeah. Right. So sometimes that goes a bit interesting or kind of like okay. <laughs> oh I've got it and then no. But um okay. But yeah, so uh, round we're at round ten now, or we just completed it. Uh, after round ten last year, was the gap between first and second in the championship bigger or smaller? Ellie, I think it was bigger. Yes, it was by Ooh. two points. It, it forty-one. Where was round ten last year? Was it Hockenheim? Oh, Silverstead. I hope. Um, round ten, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Midpoint ish, um, but yeah, two points in it. It was 39 last year and 41. So that's one nil to Ellie. Um, this might be the closest wins depending on how well it goes, <laughs> but we'll, we'll try and get the um actual answer. How many nationalities have won a race in F2 this year, feature or sprint? Yeah, Freddie. Um, Yes, Freddie. Eight. Yes, that is correct. You saved me having to ad lib a lot. Well, <laughs> the silence of figuring it out. Yeah, I didn't note it down. <laughs> it's German, British, Brazilian, Japanese, Chinese, Danish, Russian. Insert final one here. I can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, um, and it was, I think the race brought it up on the podcast a while back, but it's kind of across junior series there's a massive range of countries involved now it's not just kind of classic motor racing countries so that is very fun um question three so it's one or after the british grand prix which drivers said they thought they'd have got a podium if the race went on for a few more laps ready yes ricardo yes that is correct I mean, that one. I see that one. Just I can't remember that. Well, he he that finished race. fourth, and uh, Hamilton had he a puncture, so it's kind of yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was initially planning to do a kind of mini round of like three to five questions on who said this after the Grand Prix, but I couldn't really find enough juicy quotes that would be ambiguous. <laughs> so I just put that question and left it. Um, so that is now two one two, Freddie. Only one driver is on the same score after 10 rounds this season as last season. Who is he? Ellie. Yes. It's not who I thought it was. No, you've not got it. Not okay. who I thought it was. Opening the floor back up. Ah, uh, Freddie. Mm. Giovinazzi? No. Ah. Could be on for another Freddie's Spanish Grand Prix question. That's not him, by the way. It's just uh, oh, well, the one where you ran through every yeah. single driver on the yeah. grid and then didn't know who it was, and it was yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The question was who got the fastest. Uh, feel free to jump in as well. I'm just adding yeah. well. You uh, think, but you know, Freddie's trying to think. I'm really trying to think here who it, could, who it is. Who got the fastest lap 2016 Grand Prix, Spanish Grand Prix? And we genuinely went through about two thirds of the grid trying to think of it. Nineteen out of twenty drivers, you did. <laughs> but crucially, um, I got I got the 
20th, so it was all good. Oh, God. I'm going to go for the one that I was going to say. Perez. No. Ooh. Oh. It would have been cool if it was. Um, Freddie at shot and then out. Grosjean, zero. No. Okay. You're very close. George Russell, zero. <laughs> George Russell. Oh. Yeah. Of course, yes. Give oh, man. Nelly gets the point for that at the death. Snatches it. So it's two all. Oh, that's too obvious. <laughs> you didn't yeah, even have to look it up, did you? Like, yeah, it, my head was like. Yeah. Mm, and then you said, and then you said Roman zero. I was like, oh, George had zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zero now. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I had to go through and check that Lunas has had it. But I guess I Latifi of... as well. He had no points at this point in the season last year in Formula One because he wasn't in it. That's true. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just change the change the question to fit the answer. But yeah. <laughs> To all going into question five, Sergio Perez was the first driver to withdraw from a Grand Prix since who? Freddie. Yes. Massa. Yes, that is correct. Do you know the race? Yes. Just some okay. Hungary Three, 17. Two, one. Okay. Oh, sorry. Was that another question? No, it was going to be okay. like, I go three to one, then you both say it at the same time. It's like a funky... Hungarian, you probably nice 2017. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't go well. <laughs> <The rest> are... <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was uh, on the start flying around when that happened. Um, but 3 2 to Freddie, still very tight as we go into the mm. back five of the quiz. Which of the five new circuits to the calendar this year is the shortest, as in the ones that weren't originally on the calendar? And this wasn't wasn't what I thought it would be actually, but um, but yeah, I went on. I did a similar question on the Jello, and uh, yeah, just fired at the uh, list of Grand Prix circuits and went. Um, honestly, don't know Grand Prix like tracks off my head, so I'm gonna have. I've got to have. A, I've got to think you've about it. You've got one in five chance, to be fair. Yeah, one in five. <laughs> That is. <laughs> um, Freddie, Turkey. No, I think I think that's the longest. Oh, oh there Any we are. There. Yes. Nurburgring. Yeah, no, no, sorry. Confusing. <laughs> uh, um, oh, there's Freddie Bahrain Alta. Yeah. I was going to say that. Surely. But I didn't know. If, I didn't know if that counted. That's yeah, not my original thought. I wasn't actually counting. I wasn't counting it too. Oh. Okay. Sorry, but you can have it. You can. The floor's open again. It's not. <laughs> and I, I won't count that as a guess wrong. Uh, Ellie. Oh, yes. Imola. No. What are we doubting at Portimao? And... Oh, yeah. Freddie, Portimao. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't think about that. I forgot that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, there's a really short, I think. Maybe not Mugello, but Istanbul and the Nurburgring are really close. And I think Mugello might be in that as well. I did have all of them noted down, but it's on my phone, which is what I'm recording this from. So I can't check it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's four point something, 4.8 maybe um, kilometres. Wow. That is 4 2 to Freddie as we go on to question seven. 
what was done in Fiat's British Grand Prix crash initially blamed on? Hello. Yes. A puncture. No. My head was saying it's a puncture. It was after they was kind of reviewed. After they reviewed the footage. Um, yes, it was actually was. But, but initially, after the crash. I said it was a puncture straight away. No, um, Freddie saying um, driver error. Yeah. Which was it just really so obviously wasn't. Why did they do yeah, that? All, all, yeah, see, this is like all of the pundits were saying, "Oh, it's it was <laughs> it was a puncture." You could see so, the tire deflated. Yeah, and then Alvatari like <laughs> released a press release with like kind of Danny Kvyat taking the blame and them saying, "Oh, yeah, it's a tough for Danny, but you know everyone makes mistakes and he'll bounce back." It was <laughs> quite a bizarre thing. And yeah. then and then the and then the footage came out of the like rear facing camera that showed yeah. the. Rear left, I think, deflating. The, the, the one camera angle they showed of the car spinning out, and then they showed the camera just filming him in. You could see the rear tire was not on the rim. Yeah. You could see. I the remember tire it rim. being. That's what. That's why I was like trying yeah. to think yeah. they would because it was a puncture. Yeah, so. I, was, I was. I was the same. Yeah, I was thinking, wait, was it just proved as not a puncture? Yeah, I think it wasn't a puncture, but it was like it looked like a puncture from what we saw. Yeah. I'll take the it point. Was a very bizarre thing, but yeah. Um, and you have taken the point, and I think that's 5-2. Yeah, let's go with that. Oh, the okay. How many drivers did Lando Norris overtake in the final two laps of the Styrian Grand Prix? It's kind of the consolidation of the last lap Lando in those last two laps. But, no. Freddie? Yes. Four? No. Oh. Ellie? Um, Yep. Five. No. The floor's open. Ready three? Yes, that's correct. Have you named them? Well, there was Stroll Ricardo Perez at pretty much the line. When did he pass? Just them? He, he, he took Ricardo. They kind of went, it was when Stroll ran Ricardo wide. Yeah. And that, and yeah. Oh, he. Yeah, and he then did. he did kind of through there, and then he took um, Stroll. I think at kind of the similar kind of back straight, the oh. on the final lap, and then when, yeah, took. Uh, when Harris. did when did McLaren order him past Sainz? Uh, I think the a couple of laps because he had to make the gap up. Mm, okay, between yeah. them. That's what I was yeah. thinking of. It was a brilliant yeah. move from McLaren. Um, yeah, because Sainz finished like eleventh or something. And he got, oh, I think he, fin he got fastest lap, I think. Oh, there we are. So they pitted him. Did he, did he pit, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, you know, just fair play. They, they got it sorted. Uh, question, uh, question nine. Who was the last race winner to drive for Racing Point slash Force India? So obviously, Sebastian Vesper was announced as being... Next year's Aston Martin driver, and he has won over 50 races, I think. Um, Two, I think. Yeah, and they have previously, they've had one uh, previous race winner in the midst. Oh, 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 I know, oh. My oh, I'm the years, and 
Freddie, Giancarlo Fisichella. Yes, Giancarlo Fisichella. He got it on pole at the 2009. And then he was signed by Ferrari for Monza, replacing the Doha. Yeah, and it didn't go very well. Well, it was he did better than Padova, but didn't get a point, did he? No, it's not really saying much. Um, so yeah, the quiz has now slipped beyond Ellie's grasp with that. Sorry, but there Ellie. is one more question. Yeah, I mean, considering I don't know if she knew there was a quiz before coming on, and then didn't know how to do it until about five seconds before it started, <laughs> maybe a bit harsh. But, um, but anyway, um, you're doing better than I did in the Hungarian preview when Nigel just absolutely slaughtered me. Um, <laughs> the final question is, what is the gap between third and fifth in the Constructors' Championship? McLaren sits in third. It's really and close. Racing. I know it's close. It is very close. I'm racing Ellie. Point. Yes, Ellie. I think it's five points. Oh. No. Is that what Freddie was going to go for? Yeah, it was. <laughs> six? It's, it's so close. Is that your guess, Freddie? Yeah, Freddie six. No. Damn. Ellie? Yes. Three? No. So it would be... It wouldn't be, wouldn't be a thing if... Racing Point have been deducted their 15 points, but that's slotted yeah, them that's true. right in the yeah. pack. Ferrari are quite, they're 25 points off Renault. The clerks had a one. Really? Fifth. Yeah, they're, they're in sixth. They're, like, they're closer to Alpha Tauri than they are to Renault, which is. Of course they are. Not. Tragic. Uh, Freddy, eight. No. Oh, I'm uh, just going to get some numbers now. <laughs> Yes. And it's seven. Yes. Hey. Well, yeah, got that in the end. Um, what order is it in? Is it McLaren, Racing Point, Renault? Yeah, McLaren, Racing Point, Renault. 106 for McLaren, 104 for Racing Point, 99 for Renault. But yeah, very tight. And that will be one to kind of watch all the way to the end of the season, really. I think that will be. Yeah. Oh, it's a nice battle. And they're often like good at different tracks. Like McLaren have yeah. had a few like poor races and um, well, it's all seemed to be sort of falling onto second drivers i think like ricardo yeah. is really carrying renault and yeah leclerc points wise definitely is carrying ferrari as well and, and points wise so it's i think it's going to be really interesting to see the how other drivers impact this because obviously lando norris and carlos Sainz are both always sort of giving it their all apart from when Sainz plows it into a wall in the start yeah um, <laughs> very bad driver error <laughs> very embarrassing or, or, yeah or, or just can't be asked to start at spa just thought no oh yeah just why not let's just oh no i've got a green <laughs> failure thing. oh no um racing all... point at the most communist team at the moment with an equal division of labor because last yeah, every, every race rolls finished he's been in the points yeah, yeah, Lance has had three, I think it's three DNFs now. Mm. Um, I had said you obviously missed two races, so um, I think it evened out a bit more. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Quite like Lance, though. I think he's 
I like Lance. <laughs> I think everybody knows that. <laughs> I think he, I liked him after the um, after the Monza race, where he's just like, you know, I'm just happy. He just seems happy. Yeah. That's what we want. I think from they all guy. did. I think they all seemed so happy after Monza. I think that was really nice to see. Oh no, Carlos was like, I should have won. Oh, that's yeah, kind of. Should have won. I kind of get that. I get it, but it's like you know, just be happy. Accept the podium. Like, just accept it. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna get on the podium with Ferrari at the rate they're going. So yeah, you've you've only got one before, so you know, just take it. Um, Mm. But yeah, that draws us to the end of this episode. We'll be back again for the Eiffel Grand Prix preview, where there'll probably be more news come out, and we'll also look ahead a bit more to the race and who we think will go well there. Um, The more we expect from it. Um, Massive thanks to Ellie for joining in at quite short notice thank thank you for having me yeah and hopefully get you back at some point in the future as well and yeah cheers again freddie and thank you all for watching and listening and goodbye